0: God has transitioned the church since the days of the book of Acts. Don't miss out on this last and greatest move of God.
1: Welcome back in this show. It's Mark Rheinbolt. Got a couple announcements to make before we get going here with our great, great show we have in store for you. I just want to remind everyone that we do have a website, www.jewishprofit.com. That's www.jewishprofit.com. And for all you uh, new people out there, maybe the first time that you've been on, please check that website out. You're going to find out who we are, and you're going to get a hold of a lot of material that you've never seen before. And you want to check that material out because you're going to start to learn the Word of God. And I'm telling you what, what a great opportunity that is. We also have a quarterly coming up here, and you can get more information about that by clicking on the itinerary button on the front page there in the upper left-hand corner and find out what the quarterly and where it's going to be. It's going to be over in Fairfield, Illinois, out what we call, lovelyly, the Corn Patch. And you can be a part of that and begin to learn the material straight from the throne room of God and I'm telling you what that is a great opportunity folks. so grab a hold of this and begin to prepare and to plan and get yourself down here and find out for yourself what's going on and you can become part of this last day move of God, the house of Ephraim. And again, you can get all that information out at the website wwwjewishprophet.com. We also have fellowships available online. so you know if you're out there and you don't have a local fellowship or or you want to begin to learn about the material, and begin to plug in with the material. Not only do we have this blog every day, but we also have fellowships available online. That's via Ustream.tv, and we have one on Friday night. I teach one myself Friday night. You can become part of that. There's also a Wednesday midweek service, and we teach only the profits material so that you're assured of learning the right material at the right time. What an opportunity. Again, that all is. So, again, if you don't, already have a fellowship in your area or you just are interested in learning more about what's going on please consider joining up with that and you can get more information just by emailing us at cradle at jewishprophet.com that's cradle at jewishprophet.com and just say hey I'd like to sign up for that Shabbat service that Mark was talking about and certainly love to get you hooked up if you want to do it just by the telephone we can do that also and you can give the office a call 618-262-2810 618 and find out more about that also like I said earlier we do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deggart
2: I pray that this study tonight will be enhanced into your walk as a Messianic Jew tonight we're going to name this the wedding of the bride to the Messiah the wedding of the bride to Messiah and in order to understand this, and, and, and this is so rich, you must begin to understand the cultural differences between the Jewish nation and the Gentiles of this world, and the way that they did everything. Number one, there was no such thing as dating or courtship, or even the teenage years, of course, that we know today, and we've talked uh, somewhat about that. I think probably one of the bigger cans of worms I've personally ever opened up is we did a, did a, I did a Saturday morning thing on families and children and talking about, you know, the things that need to be considered and looked at and how it was that most parents went away very upset because of some of the things that I said. But as I said, our system or the way that people, our children grow up and find uh, somebody to be married to hasn't fared very well in fact uh uh, brothers and sisters it's fared so badly now that 50 percent of everybody that gets married is going to get a divorce 50 percent and that's over. you know that's not much if you're talking about 10 people we're not talking 10 people we're talking tens of thousands of people so you see something within our within our culture has not manifested itself and and hasn't been as sustaining as we wanted to be but but one thing about it, and it sort of reminds me of a song that I remember, I think it was Frank Sinatra was saying, But I did it my way, and, and at least we're going to stand before God and say, I did it my way. And that's going to just impress the us off, off of God, I, I assure you. But when a boy becomes a man, and he becomes a man at the age of 13, and, and, and by this he has what's called bar mitzvah, and what that means uh, in Hebrew is son of the commandment. The son of the commandment when he becomes thirteen a girl at the age of twelve or thirteen goes into what's called bat mitzvah which means daughter of the commandments marriage was a legal matter it was established by a contract and carried through by absolute exacting procedures in other words it was set up it wasn't something that you just said hey me and you're going to get married and this is going to be great that's, that's just not the way it was done during that time now the marriage ceremony itself consisted of two parts, the betrothal and then the marriage proper. There's two ways, one was betrothal, marriage proper, and I want to talk uh, about for uh, part of this, and most of this I guess will be more about the betrothal, and then we'll go through the marriage proper in detail, why the canopy, why they step on the, the glass and break the glass uh, at the end of the ceremony and what that's about. We'll go through that at a later time. But what I want you to see tonight is the significance of the way that God set up everything that Israel has done and the end of the matter was and is today Yeshua, Jesus, Messiah. A form of these customs exists today in every Jewish wedding ceremony on the face of this earth. Now again, they don't stay exactly to them because there's too many different, uh, if you will, different uh, sects within the the Jewish community today and and we talked about the altar uh, Orthodox, and then we talked about the Orthodox, and there's even a group that's called Ultra-Ultra-Orthodox, which is, I suppose, the epitome of Orthodox. And then you have the Reformists, of which most of America is made up of. The The synagogue that's in Evansville is, uh, is a Reformist synagogue, which means that they have reformed a lot of this. And most of the Reformists believe not so much in Tanakh, which is the Old Testament, but they believe more in what the Tumult, which means... That which the rabbis have deemed to be that which it meant, which I've always told you in the beginning, is very, very critical to us. Is to understand that again, we're not interested in somebody's attitude or somebody's uh, thinking on the subject. We're interested in what the scripture says. And as long as we're interested in the scripture and not what somebody thinks about it, then I think we'll be all right. I think I think we can stay on stay on good ground with God and and uh, with man himself. Now. Young, the young man or their parents always selected the young lady. Now notice what it said. It's not the young lady selecting. It's the young man selecting or his parents selecting for him. Sometimes this was done at a very uh, a very young age. Uh, uh, and I'm talking about 9, 10 years old, 8, 7, 6 years old, whatever that was. But it was, it was directed at that point by the parents. Now sometimes a person called a matchmaker would find... Uh, him a good wife. And again, I think I brought up last week, if you've ever seen Fiddler on the Roof, uh, you can remember the, the little lady called the matchmaker. Matchmaker, oh matchmaker, find me a husband. I think it was one of the ways that they began to sing even one of the songs in that. Uh, if you are not watched that, by the way, you should go back and watch that again, because we're teaching you enough now about Jewish, uh, Jewish background that I think you'll, you'll see something you never saw before. Uh, you'll see a richness within it that uh, that you didn't understand it all, and now, now you can begin to understand it. And I think that's that, that's good. The young man would go to the young lady's house with a marriage contract or a covenant. He would take it to her home. Now, the contract or covenant is a true legal agreement giving terms of the marriage proposal. And that's what it gave terms of. In other words, it brought this paper in. This paper was brought not to the young lady, but to the young lady's father. Okay? And in this proposal, within this contract, within this covenant, was absolutely written out everything that was going to take place during the patrol and, and even after the marriage itself. Okay? And so through this, and, and, and this is one of those things, and this is so binding, this is so binding that when the patrol is set, you they are married. In the eyes of God... They are married through the betrothal, not the actual marriage ceremony, the marriage proper. That's something that takes place afterwards, but they are actually in the eyes of God that they feel that they are married, and in order to break that betrothal, there has to be a divorce. Pretty strong stuff, isn't it? In other words, you just don't run out and buy a diamond ring and get engaged. I thought the way this thing all came together, I began to think how, you know, with, with us as Americans especially, you know, marriage is a... Something that's sexually driven anyway. And then the second side of it is, there's no betrothal to anything in America. The fact of it is, it's just, it's just there and it all takes place and after it's over, six months later, if you're not happy, you get a divorce. And or six years later or whatever it is. Well that's, and there again, uh, I forget exactly where Israel stands among the nations of, of divorce, but it's way, way, way down the line. I mean they, they don't get married or divorced. The marriage is not something that's taken lightly. Marriage is not something that they start out to do to see if it's going to be okay and work out and everybody's going to be happy. All right? Now, the price, and this is uh, that he's willing to pay for his bride was the most important consideration of the whole contract. Hear what it said? He has to pay a price for this bride. Now this isn't something that, bless God, is called a bride price, is what the, they called it. And he had asked the young lady and her father to read the contract, and if it was suitable, they would drink a cup of wine together, sealing the contract. In other words, if he read it, the price was right, then he'd, uh, he would tell his daughter, I think this is this is okay. Now the daughter would then drink a cup of wine with the young man, and this signified that the contract was sealed this is the way it was been done for thousands of years and so that in turn then brought the whole thing to the place called the patrol so they were now they were now betrothed in other words they were now uh, uh, given one to the other now the patrol period was a sacred binding she was consecrated to her husband and forbidden to all others in other words there wasn't any such a thing as I think I'll go out on a date with such and such uh, just to see, make sure that this is the guy. There was none of that. Once the cup has been drank, and I want you to get a hold of this because later I'm going to show you the significance in the patrol and the Messiah. Once the cup had been drank, then the patrol was set, and neither side, neither the guy nor the gal in any way, shape, or form was able to to destroy that contract in any way, shape, or form. Now, and I'll tell you later exactly how they saw about this. Now, as I said, they had a divorce to end the contract. It was a strong, And the groom, by drinking the wine, signifies his willingness to sacrifice in order to have his bride. In other words, when he drinks that cup, he knows that he's about to have to go out here over the next year over the next two years, over the next five years, he has got to pay the bride price. He's got to pay it. And if, and it's going to be high because the father of the brides, hey, they're smart enough to realize the girl's worth something. Okay. She's worth something. This isn't just a, just a human figure here. This is my daughter. This is a bride for somebody. And it's going to cost dearly. And they get dear prices still today. And this is the, the groom or the young man, then he begins to, to realize what he's got himself in and the sacrifice that he may have to make over a, a year, over five years, because he cannot marry her until he has fulfilled or paid the bride price. Now, <clears throat> the price was set so the bride would be co- be a costly item. He would know he was going, to have to work hard to pay for Now, and if you'll remember in Genesis 29, and and uh, when Jacob, you know, he worked seven years for, for Rachel. Now listen, he was paying a bride price. Seven years he worked for Rachel. And then he found out after seven years, everything kind of got all, you know, twisted around by his future father-in-law, and he had to work another seven years to get Rachel. He was paying the bride price. So this isn't something that is just something that was, it just has been done overnight. The bride price is something that has always been in, in that which the Jew has, has learned to live by. It's learned, that custom or that contract or the covenant in which they kept. Now, Yeshua, Jesus, paid for us an even higher price. And his life was the bride price. And, that, and the, the correlation of that is, again, so rich and so deep to, to, to realize that God was setting this whole thing up. I mean, this thing wasn't a mistake. It didn't happen by chance. But it took place exactly in the way in which God had, had set it to be. That on the final analysis of all this, that the groom, Yeshua Jesus Himself, that the bride that he would be coming back for, the price that he was going to pay was going to be his whole life for that price. Never has there been in the history of, 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 of Judaism anybody that's ever paid that kind of a price for a bride. Most of what, most of what has been done has been a, a type of a dowry. Uh, money, uh, again, is the biggest thing, that, that, that his daughter's worth 20000 a 50000 $100,000. And uh, that's what had to be paid. With the Yeshua, with Jesus, this whole thing changed. It changed, but there was still, because he was what? He is the bridegroom. He had a price to be paid. After the young man and young lady drank the cup, the young man would make a speech. Now listen to this speech. And this, I mean, the more you study, the more you look at it, the more the, uh, the Holy Ghost just climbs up and down your backbone. Now listen to the speech that he makes. I go to prepare a place for you in my Father's house. Have you heard that before? Rich, isn't it? Big time stuff, isn't it? And we always thought that that was coined by Jesus himself, that he made it up in John. But you see, it wasn't coined at all, was it? That it was something that was absolute, something that had to be paid, something that had to happen. And so he would tell this bride that he was now betrothed to, he says, I, I go now to, to, to my father's house. He said, I go to my father's house. And he says, I go to prepare a place for you. Now he would return to his father's house and he'd begin to build a cottage or make a cottage within or next to or onto uh, uh, his father's house for his bride. There was never a doubt in the bride's heart that he would not return for her because of the high price that he was paying never and and you know this this is something that that again we lack so much in america you know america is a young nation in comparison to the nations of this world we're a young nation a nation that, that blessed god that that there's no doubt as to whether god had blessed but we don't understand. We, don't, You know, I keep saying the problem with Christianity now that I understand what I'm under, beginning to understand and we're just scratching the surface is is that there's so much richness that we've been cheated out of and not even understanding why Jesus said, I go to, to build a mansion for you, my Father's house, to prepare that place. And if I go, I will return again. What was that all about? That's exactly, that's exactly what the, the, the bride was, was, was receiving and understanding that was coming from her future husband, was that he was going to go build this place, and he was going to return for her and take her to that. Now, as it goes on, we can also be assured that, of course, Yeshua Jesus is going to return for us. It's the same assurance. Why? Because the price that he paid. The wedding would uh, would take place at the father's house, and that's where it would take place. After the wedding, the bride and the groom would stay in the honeymoon cottage for seven days, and they would have a party. They would have a festival that lasted for seven days. He said, "Boy, that was quite a event. Now, I'm not real sure because I don't, I don't, I've not studied enough American history uh, when it comes to things as marriages to know if there wasn't a time, but it seems like there was a time in America when somebody got married, it was a big thing, and, the, and they got together and, and they began to have a festive type of a thing with the two families that went on for more than a day or two. Um, and, and I don't know whether that was customary or that was just a, 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 an isolated incident that maybe that I had read about one time, but I remember that those things took place. But here, this went on for seven days. Of course, seven days is, is also very significant with God as, as, as one of His numbers the guests would uh, would have the party after seven days, then they would leave the cottage, and then they would return to her house, to her father's house, and they would have another big festive (laughs) get-together. And these people were drinking real wine,
0: folks.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And they were having a big time, evidently. But anyway, uh, the celebration went on. It was a great celebration—a celebration that blessed God is is in relationship to the things of God. Let's go to the book of Revelation now and get into some scripture. And uh, Revelation 19. Let us be glad, 19:7 and 8 of Revelation. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to Him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and His wife had made herself ready, and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white for the fine linen is the righteousness of, of saints. Now, her being, coming ready in this thing, made herself ready, during the time of her patrol, there was a, a rigorous uh, type of uh, exact things that she did every day, uh, of using per- expensive perfumes, expensive oils, uh, keeping herself, her hair, and 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 exercising, and doing the things that to keep herself and make herself beautiful. Now, 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 listen to what. Now, listen again to to the the latter part. And his wife had made herself ready, and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of a saint. So, what does the white represent? It re, it represents the righteousness of saints. Of the saints when when you see the the, the you know the, the the bride in dressed in white. Now, uh in Luke twenty two, look there for just a second with me. Luke twenty two. One verse here, the twentieth verse. Likewise also the cup after supping, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you, and which I know you understand that very well. Yeshua, the bridegroom himself He's has gone to the Father's house after He brought the covenant, the marriage contract, drank the cup, and paid the price. It's all there, isn't it? Just exactly in the way in which God implemented it. Uh, again, the Bible is full of these, these types of uh, scenarios of where God has done something in the flesh and then turns around and does something in the supernatural. And this is uh, as probably as good as it gets. Of course, in John 14 is where we... Uh, we do realize what he says here in the first verse, Let let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whether I go, you know, and the way, you know. So what's the, what's the same thing? And he took this again as we brought earlier. He took this from the patrol, from the, from, from the patrol of the way God sent down to man and the way all this stuff was supposed to happen. And so he took that and he began to use that in the exactness in which God himself and God himself only could do. That during the patrol period, there were friends of the bridegroom and friends of the bride now each one of these were assigned the one to the bride one to the bridegroom i mean one to i'm sorry and to the bride's groom or the uh, the the, to the young man that's getting married the groom and they were to watch over them they were to spy on them if you will and then they would come back back in other words if if whoever's the spy or the friend of the groom and he would be watching and he'd be listening to all this stuff going on and he'd he would spend time around the bride uh, around the bride to be and, and, and there'd be questions being asked and he'd be sure that she wasn't making eyes towards somebody else or something else wasn't going on that was out of color in any way, shape or form, that everything was being exactly done in accordance to what the patrol was all about. And if it changed any, then he'd go back and tell tell the groom and said, Hey, he might as well quit building the, cod- the cottage. You need to go get some divorce papers. This isn't going to work out. But you see again, and it's very important to realize that the betrothal was the marriage. The marriage proper was something that came after that and and came connected to it. And and that, that's strong stuff, isn't it? We never looked at our engagements here in America. Our engagements here in America has just been something, if there is any anymore, I don't know whether people get engaged anymore or not. But if, in fact, they did, our engagements here in America was only uh, something to, to, to have a period of time uh, which was convenient. There was never no great prices paid. Of course, the great price anymore is paid when the divorce comes. Yeah, then there's a price that's paid. Somebody say amen that's been through something like that. <laughs> then there gets to be some real price paid, in there? And, and uh, I guess it gets itself uh, one way or the other. So anyway, they, they keep track. Now I'm going to tell you something. What's neat about this? The way you take this to scripture. Watch this in John the third chapter. Turn over there in John three. We won't go through this. I, I was going to go, we're going to go down through this away. But in in twenty nine, let this one grab on you a minute. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom. Now what did we just talk about? which standeth and heareth him, rejoice greatly because of the bridegroom's voice, this my joy therefore is fulfilled. Now who's speaking this? John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the friend of the bridegroom. That's who he was. He watched. He watched. What do you suppose he was watching? He was watching to be sure that Messiah was doing everything, that he was to be doing because he was betrothed, to, he was betrothed, if you will, unto us. And he was being sure that he fulfilled everything that was within the contract. I've never heard that ever, I've never heard that ever taught, nor ever heard that ever preached. But that's what he did. You know when his disciples came to him, and he said, go follow after John, go follow after him. You know what he was doing? Keep an eye on him. Be sure that he's fulfilling all this stuff. Be sure. Be sure why? Because that was part of the law. That was part of the way that it was done, and it had to be done in that way to fulfill what had already been taken place. Because there had always been the friend of the bridegroom. Now, if we begin to to realize in Romans eight twenty two that the Holy Ghost is our friend of the bride, turn with me, and, and of course you all know this and but let's, let's do it anyway. Romans, or most of you do, if you don't, shame on you, you should, okay? And you will. 8, 8.26 of Romans says, Likewise the Spirit also will helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for, if we ought, for the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he, searches, and he that searches the heart knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So the Holy Ghost is our friend, is the friend of the bride for us. For us and all that, all that we are and all that we ever will be and all that we can be. The friend of the bride, uh, gave gifts to her. The friend of the bride gave gifts to her. Now, what gifts have we been given by the friend of the bride? Well, that's good stuff, isn't it? Look in Galatians 5. Living in Galatians five. I'm telling you, I've never seen it like this, folks. You just this is hot off the hot off the, the throne room press, if you will. Five twenty-two. Galatians. I got that alone. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with afflictions the of and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit." Big time stuff, isn't it? Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. So these were gifts that were given to us by our friend of the bride, the Holy Ghost, the Rahach, the Rahachadish, they say in Hebrew. In Ephesians 4, look in Ephesians 4. In the 11th verse and the 12th verse. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Gifts. First Corinthians 12. Of course, we call these the gifts of the Spirit. Starting in the 8th verse. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge, for the same Spirit, to another the gift of Gift by the same Spirit to another, uh, faith, I'm sorry, by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to, uh, to another the interpretation of tongues. Gifts, gifts that the friend of the bride gives forth unto that of the bride. And these gifts that we've been given are something, aren't they? As I said, now, the, now her place was to be- make herself beautiful and again she did everything that she could do and, and it was a, uh, if you will, it was a regiment type of a thing that she was strictly told that, and always has been told that they must stick to. So in other words, it's an everyday we're going to do it and we're going to stick with it we're going to get it done and we're going to do it right type of a thing. Let's go to First Peter 3. First Peter 3. I, I see more and more... How all this ties itself so strongly and so well together. First Peter three, third verse. Who's adoring? Let us not be that outward adoring of planting, planting of hair and a wearing of gold or putting on apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, in that which not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is the sight of God of great price. So the price that's being paid by us as the bride is not an outward price. It's an inward price. Again, it's, it went from the material to the supernatural. Now, in 2 Corinthians 11, if you'll turn there, 2 Corinthians 11, the second verse, "...for I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband." that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. What's this being talked about? That's us. That's us. The betrothal. Now, 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 let me try, and I was going to say this for a while, but I can't stand to wait any longer, will cause you to become above and beyond as you walk the face of this earth, if you will betrothal yourself to me. If you'll patrol yourself to me, this is the Lord speaking. He said, now, I'm going to pay the price of my life for you. No greater price could there ever be paid. No man took his life, but he laid it down. And he said, now, I'm going, I'm going to do this, and in doing this, then I'm going to go off and I'm going to build to my Father's house and build you a cottage, a mansion, and then I'm going to return for you. Now, what's our place now as the bride? Our place now is to be ready, to keep ourselves. Now, listen, and this is what I have preached all these years and didn't understand. This is why we're to keep ourselves holy. We are betrothed to Christ. You are betrothed to Him. There's only one way to get out of the betrothal. And that's to burn in hell. There's only one way to get out of it. And that's just to deny him as, 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 as he ever came, as, as, as being uh, that which he is. But we, as, if you will, the bride, we wait for him, don't we? Because we know just as she knew or still knows today in the Jewish realm that her man is going to come back because of the price that he gave for her. There is no doubt in us that Messiah is not going to come back to this earth. It's part of the patrol, And because we have been betrothed to, betrothed to him, now listen, we are not allowed by the patrol. To go out here and be whoring after this world out here, we're not allowed to do that. The friend of the the bride, the friend of the groom, that conversation is still going on today. The Holy Ghost, the Rohalkadish, is still reporting, if you will, about his patrol to you, his patrol to me. He's reporting trying to find out whether or not we are keeping the patrol, whether we're keeping it, whether we're doing exactly what it was that we said we would do. See he did what he said he would do. Now there's an expectancy now of us as the bride to, com- to fulfill it, to ready ourselves, to prepare ourselves. And maybe that makes things a lot clearer than at least it does to me than, than probably that I had ever uh, ever seen in my, uh my life i didn't realize that I was patrolled to him i didn't realize at all you know uh, not like that i I had no idea i hadn't no, i i could, i could assume some things, but i didn't realize and again, the reason i couldn't realize is folks the reason that you couldn't realize is because we didn't have the depth of Judaism, like I said. <laughs> We took their Jewish prophets, and we took their Jewish Tanakh, their Scripture, Old Testament. We took their Jewish Messiah and told the Jews to take a hike. And they did. And you know what they took with them? All the richness of what we thought we had. See, we thought we had it all, and we really didn't need the other. Come to find out, the fact of it is, you can't have any of it without the other. And that's the reason we have struggled and that's the reason that, that, that we, we that we went on through this thing trying to make the best out of it and, and trying to do the things that, you know, that, that, that we thought we should do and so many times it didn't turn out and so many times we were so sorely disappointed in ourselves. Now understand that our patrol to Him is a matter of waiting and a twinkling of an eye in an instance of Him coming for us. Uh, The third verse went on to say, But I fear, at least by any means, that the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. And so, you see, it wasn't so much the fact that he thinks we're going to go astray, it's the fact that we need to understand that the Rehocodesh, the Holy Ghost, is truly watching over us, doing his job, doing his job as a friend of the bride, giving us gifts, but also at the same time making sure watching to be sure you suppose that's part of the reasons why we're blessed and some of the times reasons why we're not blessed maybe some of the report that the friend of the bride is making back under the groom isn't a very good report. Hmm? think about it that's some that's something to take home and to to to, to be able to to uh, think about. Let's go back over in Ephesians 5 again. Ephesians 5. I guess we haven't been to Ephesians 5, have we? Well, so we're going there now. 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Now, you see the correlation? The betrothal? The marriage? That he might present it to himself as a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, but it should be holy and without blemish. Isn't that what she's to do? Isn't the bride to keep herself holy and unblemished? She's not allowed to date, to even to look at any other man. God forbid that there be any sexual incidents that took place in the old, back in the Tanakh in the Old Testament, that meant death. See, that's how strict the law was, that in fact, as she broke the patrol and it was found out about, she was put to death. There wasn't much breaking the patrol then. <laughs> if you were smart, he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but it should be holy without blemish. So that, you see, that's, what, that, that's, really what, that's really what God is saying to us, that he wants us to stay holy without blemish. 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 You say, wait a minute, I'm flesh and blood. Yes, we're flesh and blood. But we have to begin to, to, to do something that's very important, to raise our standards. Let, let's go over in Ephesians, in, in the first chapter of Ephesians. Let me look real quick because I want to find this. the 17th verse. This is a prayer to pray, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. 1.17 of Ephesians. The eyes of our understanding may be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of His calling and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe according to the working of His mighty power? Which I, we, we, He wrought in Christ, even He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And had put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him, that filleth all in all. The spirit of wisdom, and revelation, and the knowledge of him. That's what we lack. That's what we lack. We lack that. That's what we call ourselves as the church within Christianity. We lack that. Now, isn't it a shame that we have lacked that, and then you look back and see what they have lacked. <laughs> they, were, they were lacking the groom. Okay? You see the shame and the sorrowfulness of it. But you see, as God is now beginning to is beginning to, to show us as Ephraim our shame. Begin to open up the eyes of Judah. One day we'll look upon the one and mourn for the one whom they pierced. It's because now God is beginning to bring revelation knowledge, spirit of understanding unto us. That they didn't even understand. You see, they haven't readied themselves. They haven't readied themselves for the groom. Not, 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 not Israel as a whole, but they are getting ready to ready themselves. Because you see, when they find out that they've already been betrothed to him, then they will know, and this is what's really exciting to me, brothers and sisters, then they will know exactly what they've got to do. Why? Because that which God taught them from the beginning will now take over and begin to automatically, through their teachings, begin to take place. And all they'll have to do is just to walk right into it. That which has been cut off will be brought back in again. And so shall it be in all of our cases. Revelation 22. Revelation 22. 22, 22.14. Blessed are they that do this commandment, that they may have the right to the tree of life, and may enter in through the gates into the holy city. Now, the neat thing of understanding that do this, this commandment Why is it that he said in the 12th verse, And behold, I come quickly, my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. What is your work as being betrothed to Christ? To have been holy, to have kept yourself pure for the groom. To see to it. To see to it. As the Rahakodesh, the Holy Ghost, looks over us, watches over us, listens and, and sees what we're doing. Good, bad, and ugly. Amen? In the book of Psalms 45, and I, I want to read this. It's, it's not a long psalm, but this this is the wedding and, and the, the, the coronation. You're looking 45. If I can get back to those, all my pages intact here. First verse, Psalm 45. My heart is indicting a good manner. I speak of things which I have made... Touching the the king, my tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Thou art fairer than the children of men. Grace is poured unto thy lips. Therefore God hath blessed thee forever. Gird thy sword upon thy thigh, O most mighty, with thy glory and thy majesty. And as thy majesty ride prosperously because of truth and meekness and righteousness, and, and thy right hand shall teach thee terrible things. Thine arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies, whereby the people fall under thee. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. Thou lovest righteousness and hatest wickedness. Therefore, God, thy God hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above all fellows. All the garments, the smell of myrrh and alloys and cassia, and out of the ivory palaces where, whereby they have made thee glad. King's daughters were among thy honorable women. Upon thy right hand did stand the queen of the gold of Ophir. Hearken, O daughter, and consider and incline thine ear. Forget also thine own people and thy father's house. So shall the king greatly desire thy beauty, for, the, the, for he is thy lord, and worship thou him. And the daughter of Tyre shall, shall be there with a gift. Even the rich among the people shall entreat Thy favor, the king's daughter is all glorious within her clothing is of wrought gold. she shall be brought into the king in raiment of, of needlework. The virgins, her companions that follow her shall be brought into thee with gladness and rejoicing shall they be brought. They shall enter into the king's palace. instead of thy fathers shall be thy children whom thou mayest make princes in all the earth. I will make thy name to be remembered in all generations, therefore shall the people praise thee forever and ever. It's neat. That's all there. It was all written about. All talked about. All down by the Raha the Holy Ghost. One more scripture in Romans, the 12th chapter. Romans 12. I believe that we, as children of God and betrothed unto the groom, unto Messiah, unto Yeshua, need to understand what this says. 12th chapter, first verse, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You understanding that? So that so that we can understand. You can prove what the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. So we have the faith. Say, I have the faith. I have the faith. We have the faith to stand the betrothal. We've got the faith to do that. Now, whether or not we're going to be able to do that, but you see, it's a matter of renewing the mind, transforming Transforming ourselves, our minds, into thinking the thoughts of Christ Himself. I said, but how can I do that? I said, but how, how can I do that? I said, you know, I do pretty well in some areas and there's other areas I'm a mess. Well, welcome to the club. Okay? Welcome to the club. Unfortunately, none of us are perfect yet. When will we be perfect? When we go from the betrothal to the marriage proper, when that happens, then we will be perfect because we will be with Him. He will have come for us. But we need to work toward the holiness of the betrothal. And if we are willing to understand the renewing of the mind, what does it take to renew your mind? You ever think about it? I want to renew my mind... About a certain area. How do I do that? We've never really taught too much on that through the years. It has to come by the Word. It has to come by the Word of God. If God's Word says that, then that is what God is saying to us about that subject. So we can begin, we can begin to realize that God wants us to renew our minds so that we can be transformed into the bride that we are supposed to be. See, you can't, you see, the, the again, when the Jewish girl, when the young lady is patrolled, then her mind isn't on the guy down the street. Her mind is not on the mailman coming by. And oh, I wonder what he would be like if I was to marry him instead of old Joe over here. Now, what's old Joe doing? Old Joe is working hard enough to try to pay the bride's price that he ain't got time to be running around. He's not got time because he's working day and night. He wants his bride. He wants that which is a great price that he's paying. He wants her and the only way for him to get her is to work day and night, to work every moment that he's got to work. He's got to build the, he's got to build the cottage. He's got to also bring up the money for the price. And that's going to take some time. Some of you young guys, what do you think if somebody's dad t- uh, told you, yeah, yeah, son, I believe she's worth $150,000. He said, "There's nobody worth that."
1: <laughs>
2: oh, some of you that are married would have, but don't want to look at your look at your spouse and say you weren't worth one hundred and fifty thousand, or <laughs> uh, uh, we'll need help to be able to help some of you down the steps of the car tonight. Okay? You hear what I'm saying, though? There was a price to be paid. She kept herself. She kept herself spotless, without wrinkle for him. And the Lord God is saying, keep yourself spotless and without wrinkle for me. There's a great advantage to that. But again, if your mind is not being renewed, then what I would suggest that you do is go back and begin. And you know, I have said this from the beginning. Some of you never learned the rudiments of the beginnings of what we based based all this on. Now some of you came in late, and you should still be studying. And that's again, I, I pray that our 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 Sabbath school we call it now instead of Sunday school because it's on Sabbath. But on during Sabbath school that our ministry from the pulpit is teaching you, and the Sunday school classes is going back and staying into all the fundamentals that we have taught for years because. Without these fundamentals, you're going to be lost. And some of you thought you learned them, and some of you obviously didn't. And now some of you are in trouble, and you don't know what to do about it. And, and because, why? Because this is starting to ground zero again. I mean, we're starting over. But if you, see, if you didn't really know who you were in Christ, you really wouldn't know what the patrol's all about anyway tonight. See, you really wouldn't understand the, the, the depth of this thing, and what God is really doing. God is really doing the work. The neat thing about this really really work that God's doing is He began it when He said, Let there be light," And He knew exactly what He was doing. Some of us still don't know exactly what we're doing. Because some of us are still horned in this world out here. Some of us have never renewed our minds and transformed into the place of holiness in which God requires of us. Now, Let's try to take this next part slow, but let's also do this with sort of tongue-in-cheek because I I don't want anybody to misunderstand. Your salvation is sure to you. Once you betroth yourself to the Lord, heaven is assured. As I have told you, you can lose that assurance. And if what I've taught you tonight is, is truth, and it all is, and you could see it in Scripture, then then there is something that needs to be definitely looked at in all this. What happened when the friend of the bride or the friend of the groom came back and said, huh, she's out running down the street down there and told Joe Henry's place, out partying in the bars and having a big time. What did we discuss happens earlier? There is a letter of divorcement given. You understand what I'm telling you? If what I taught you tonight is truth and it is, then I'm going to tell you something. God's not left any of this out. Your patrol to God is more important than your patrol ship to your spouse. If you've not, if you've not been honorable in that, you're in trouble. But that is in the realm of the flesh. But if you are not honorable under your patrol, unto Messiah, I think you're in a heap of trouble. Now, the neat thing about being in trouble with God, you can get out of trouble with God. Amen? That's the great thing about God. But do you know what it takes? It takes true, heartfelt repentance. It's called remorse. Not because you got caught, but because you know you were wrong. Most people never confess any sins until they're caught. That's not that. That's not what gets it with God. What did David do when the prophet came and stuck his bony finger in his face? He said, I am the man. I did that. I'm the one that sent him to the front line to have him killed so I could have his wife. It was me. Did he hold anything back? Nothing. Why? Because he understood his betrothal to God. He understood that, and you and I need to desperately begin to understand what this is about. This, this, this again is not about how little we can do to get to heaven. This is about everything that we must do in order to fulfill the contract. That is already for years I have said that that contract works both ways. The it, it contract, the covenant, was given to us by God, but there's also our fulfilling that covenant back to God. In other words, the covenant can't be standing if we're going to defile the covenant. The covenant doesn't count. You can see, again, that's where we get in trouble so often with God is because then we begin to stand up and say, God, where are you at? I needed you. This isn't going well. Nothing's working. It's not taking place. And, and if you would listen and you hear God say, well, you dummy, you broke the contract. Now you 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 broke it. I didn't break it. You broke the covenant that we had. You broke the patrol." So you and I need to now begin to work very hard on realizing that we've been asked for. He drank the cup, didn't he? We didn't get to those scriptures. But he drank that cup. Yes, we did, didn't we? He drank that cup. He sealed the contract with the drinking of that cup. The New Testament in his blood. And he sealed it. The patrol's there. Now, if you didn't want to be patrolled to him, you know what you should have said? Don't think so. We'll flirt around a little bit, big boy, but I don't think any of this patrol business I'm going into. What are you saying? I don't want you as my Lord and my Savior, but there's a chance that you really are God, so we'll think about it for a while. What did the young lady and her father have the right to do? Had the right to not partake of the cup. Now, listen to me. What did you just do last Sabbath? You partook of the cup, which is the reminder unto us of the betrothal that we have to Him. Do this in remembrance of me, saith the Lord. Strong stuff, isn't it? Now it's looking different to us, isn't it? Now all of a sudden we're beginning to realize something, that now that what we're saying, and, and you know He said, and don't take this thing lightly. For many have died and many are, many, he called it sleep, many are sick because they have taken of the cup unworthily. Boy, what I always thought that was. Sure wasn't what I know it is tonight. Have taken of the cup unworthily. You broke the patrol. That's the reason you're sick. That's the reason many sleep before their time. Because they have broken. have broken the contract with God
1: hey thank you so much prophet Deckard. again you can get a hold of us at the website www.jewishprophet.com and you can find out again all this material that you're hearing taught every day every week folks you want to get out there and start taking a look at that and start ordering that material because you need to get a hold of that and start to apply that into your life so that it will change your life you know what you can also email your prayer requests to cradle at jewishprophet.com will be praying for your prayer requests. shalom until tomorrow and remember with god all things are possible I'm